Amen. Exodus chapter 19, we're going to close off our series on a way through. How many have enjoyed this series apart from me? <laughs> Amen. We've been looking at how the children of Israel have gone through the wilderness in the effort to get to the promised land. Now we are in the promised land today. Hallelujah. We've got to the promised land today. Amen. And, and there's so much more that I could talk about with, with this uh, wilderness wanderings. And we could probably be looking at this for another couple of months. But uh, as it is, we'll be concluding this. Exodus chapter 19, if you have, and I trust that you have your Bibles with you. Exodus chapter 19, verse 3, I'm reading from the New King James Version. Not the Rick James Version, as Brother em Emery would say. Exodus 19 and 3, or 19 and 4. Let's all stand in honor of the Word of God. If you have it, say amen. amen. If not, say hold on. Okay, I heard you, Ray. <laughs> Exodus 19 and 4. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. I bore you on eagle's wings. Deuteronomy 32, if you would turn right, three books down. Deuteronomy chapter 32, this is a song of Moses in recollecting or reminiscing, as it were, of what God has done. Deuteronomy 32 and 11 and 12, as an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on its wings. So the Lord alone led him, and there was no foreign God with him. Amen. I want to talk to you today on the simple thought on eagle's wings. On eagle's wings. Would you join with me in prayer? Open your hearts right now and ask God to speak to you. Heavenly Father, you are an awesome God. Great and mighty is your name. And this day, we're asking you to speak to us once again. Lord, let the word have its perfect work. It's the word of God that brings change and transformation and power. So let the word, the, the living word, preach the written word, Lord God, and bring to us light, understanding, power, and deliverance. We're hungry for you, Lord, today. We're thirsty for the living waters. We're hungry for the bread of life. We ask you, Lord, that you'd anoint your people and your servant to the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. Would you clap your hands one more time and praise the Lord. You may be seated. The eagle is perhaps one of the most majestic uh, creatures or birds and it's ironic that I'm preaching about this this weekend that it's uh, 4th of July the United States celebrates their Independence Day and their national animal is the bald eagle these creatures are incredible with a wingspan of six to seven feet that can soar up to a thousand feet in the air with powerful talons that can snatch small mammals and fish at speeds. They possess the strongest beaks of all birds that can easily tear with ease the flesh of their prey. 
They have an eyesight that is almost four times the acuity of humans with the ability to identify a rodent even a few kilometers away. And the biggest of the eagles is the Philippine eagle, the largest of eagles. Why, why are you laughing? That's just because we're not the biggest people. We have the biggest eagle in the world, believe it or not. You Google it. They've been known to, to, to snatch monkeys off trees. They've been known to snatch little Filipino babies from the ground. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm, not saying, I'm not making a call, comparison here. But the eagle is, is an incredible. They have no natural predators. Eagles, they rule the skies. They rule the heavens. They are uh, superior. They are at the top of the food chain. And uh, it's interesting, of course, that the, the, the Bible says that, that God is compared to this eagle. Uh, another interesting characteristic about eagles is that when, when a, a male and female eagle match together, they are married or matched for life. They don't cheat on their spouse. They, they'll stay with that. They'll be faithful to their eagle partner for life. Amen. D just like the way our God is. Our God is ever faithful to us. Amen, that uh, uh, even though the society today that uh, 50%, over 50% of marriages end up in divorce, yet our God will always be faithful and loyal to us, his people. Amen, aren't you thankful? The Bible says his mercies are new every morning, that as sure as the sun would rise every day, the faithfulness of God and his steadfastness is true. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. I could just preach about that. Amen. But uh, it, this is quite incredible. Uh, eagles are such interesting animals, and as powerful and as majestic and awe-inspiring as they are, what is unique about these eagles is that when they begin to build their nest, they take six months to build their nest. Six months. In fact, most of the time, two-thirds of their time is spent on building a nest. Now, that doesn't sound very majestic. It doesn't sound very, you know, macho or strong, you know. Like, I remember when my wife was pregnant, having about to have kids, that she would begin to nest, as they say. You know, she'd buy the, 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 the bastinet and the baby change table and decorate the room and put, you know, uh, uh, decals on the wall and then the ceiling. And here, these majestic creatures spend most of their time building the nest. But if you've ever seen an eagle's nest, you will understand why. Eagle's nests have been known to be as big as two to three meters wide and have weighed as much as over 2,000 kilos. That's two tons. That, I don't know, that, is that more than my car? They are huge. They're massive. No wonder it takes them six months. What they do, they pick up sticks they break branches off trees, and they begin to interweave those branches and sticks to create this incredible structure uh, that, that would be strong enough to sustain this large mommy and daddy eagle as well as as many eaglets as they're going to have. And then as they begin to prepare to uh, lay the eggs and have these little bambinos, that, that they would take all kinds of materials to begin to line 
this nest because, you know, with the sticks and the branches, they could have sharp edges and they could have uh, really hard bits of them that wouldn't be conducive uh, for those little baby eaglets, that they would begin to line the inside of the nest with, with moss and grass and feathers of their own, of their own prey. This was a, a remarkable thing. Incredible structure. In fact, if you look at it on Google, you see some of them, they are so big and so deep. They have it often perched on the top of the highest trees or even in the mountaintops. And, and, and so they, they make it soft and comfortable so when it comes time for them to lay the eggs and the eggs begin to hatch, that these baby eaglets are comfortable. And so for the next several months... These little baby eaglets would be fed by mother and father eagle. They would go out and hunt rabbit and hunt foxes and hunt Filipino babies. And they would come and they would provide for them. I'm just kidding. I'm Filipino. I can say that. <laughs> but they would, they would provide meat for them and spoon feed these, these hungry mouths that are, are open and always are crying and whining and whinging. And they would spoon feed these baby eaglets. Amen. And day after day, this would be the normal routine. Mom and dad would come and feed them. And, and life is good. Life is comfortable. It's warm in the nest. It's comfortable in the nest. Mom and dad are, are, are the flying Ubers. You know, they, they're bringing, uh, you know, KFC and they're bringing all kinds of food. Amen. And then suddenly one day, uh, the mother, eaglet, mother eagle would come and, and this time there would be no food. This time, there would be no, no pampering, but all of a sudden, the mother eagle uh, just about begins to act all crazy and, and lose her mind and, and starts tearing up all the soft lining that's in the nest. And, and so with her beak and with her talons, starts breaking up the nest and starts fluttering her wings to, to, to shake up this little nest. Uh, and, and, you know, I can just imagine the baby eaglets looking at each other and said, What's going on with mom? She's, she's lost her mind. She's gone crazy. I think it's menopause. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe some of you teenagers can, can relate to that, you know. Mama comes home one day. She's all nice. And then the next day, she starts banging pots and pans and slamming the pantry door and, 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 and banging her fist and sick and tired of the kids. Mother Eagle's gone crazy. She starts tearing up the place and starts shaking them up. And, and, and the, mother, the baby eaglets are all uncomfortable because she is stirring and disturbing the nest. Because what she wants to do is now that you're no longer a baby, it's time for you to get out of the nest and begin to stretch your wings. Amen. She, they, they, they're not allowed to stay there forever. They can't be spoon-fed forever because if they stay there even as adults and never learn to fly, they're going to die. Amen. So what birthed them could potentially be their death. Amen. What was a beautiful crib could become a coffin because what was designed for them for one stage of their life was not designed for them to keep them for the rest of their lives. Amen. Can I tell you that this is a beautiful picture of the story of the children of Israel as they went into uh, Egypt. You remember the story. Uh, Joseph had, had been in Egypt. He was a ruler of Egypt, second only to Pharaoh. And in the time of famine, he brings his own family, the tribe of Jacob, into Egypt in order to sustain them and give them food in the time of famine. 
Amen. And so they lived there in a place called Goshen where they were sustained and protected. But after Joseph died, the Bible says that there was a new Pharaoh that came along and did not know Joseph and did not have respect to the children of Israel. And so after a while, the children of Israel, just from a, a few handful of tribes, of 12 tribes, they had now grown after a couple of hundred years from just 12 tribes to now they are a formidable nation millions of people and, and, and they had uh, the Egyptians were kind of scared of them and so they turned them into slaves amen they had stayed there for a little while they have been uh, supported and assisted and sustained but but after staying there for so long they had now become relegated to third-class citizens to slaves the 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 workforce for Egypt and so God begins a process, amen, because he didn't intend, he intended to fulfill his promise to Abraham to give to them the promised land. It was not God's design that they would stay in Egypt and remain as slaves forever. And so he begins to stir and he begins to disturb their comfortable slave lives. He brings to them, he starts to, to, to get a Pharaoh to help them to make, to, to get them to make their own bricks. Before it wasn't bad enough that they were building the cities of Pharaoh, but now they had to build their own bricks, make their own bricks to build the cities of Pharaoh. And the Bible says that they were in hard bondage, that they made them serve with hard rigor. Life was tough. Boy, I tell you, life was difficult for them. And not only that, but Pharaoh decided he was going to take every male baby boy that's born and that he would, they would be cast into the river and be killed in order to cull the population because he was fearful of what they may do. But this was, the Bible says, the beginning of where the children of Israel began to groan and began to cry and began to stir their nest began to stir amen because there was a promised land they couldn't stay in this place they had somewhere that God had ordered for them to do oh I wish I could talk to somebody here right now and tell you amen that there's something in you maybe I'm just talking to a handful of people amen that you are bound enslaved and bondage by sin but yet there's something deep inside of you that's beginning to stir in the core of your being to say that I can't stay here any longer I can't keep living in sin I can't keep living in this bondage of slavery of sin there's got to be something more than what I've experienced there's got to be something more oh I come to tell you here today that God is speaking to you he's stirring up your nest he's calling you to step out of where you're living and begin to enter into the destiny that God has called you. Oh, hallelujah. Am I talking to anybody right now? Are you hearing what I'm saying? God is stirring you up to get you out of where you're comfortable, to remove you out of that comfort zone and say, God has something greater for you. Oh, hallelujah. 
Oh, maybe you've already got the Holy Ghost. Maybe you're already born again. Thank God for that, but I've come to tell you, whatever problem you face, whatever stirring that's going on, it's God that wants to stir you to enter into the next level of your walk with God. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Come on. Is there anybody else that feels a shaking in your spirit? He doesn't want you to stay where you're at. He's calling you to come up higher. You were created not to stay in the nest. You were created to stretch your wings and soar the heavens. Hallelujah. hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, bless the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. That's why, amen, Mother, Mother Eagle goes a little crazy. Start staring them. Because if you don't learn to fly, you're going to die. I'm not here to feed you forever. You've got to learn to stretch your wings. I've come to talk to you right now. You can't stay in the same level year after year after year. You say, well, I, I was brought up in church. Well, I, I had the Holy Ghost 20 years ago. I don't care. God is stirring up your neck. Say, come up higher. Come up. Step out. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Maybe seated. But I like the nest. I can hear some of you saying that. It's comfortable. You see, these, these Israelites, they had now become generation after generation after generation of slaves. My mama was a slave. My granddaddy was a slave. They didn't know anything else except slavery. And they had learned to make a little nest. Even as slaves, they learned to make a good thing out of a bad situation. They had learned to create some comforts. Yeah, I got to work for Pharaoh for nothing, uh, but I can come home and I got these garlics and I got these leeks. I got this hummus. I got this tum. Amen. I could put with a little Lebanese bread. Uh, you know, they'd learn to be comfortable. They'd learn to, to, to have a, a little nest by which they could live their lives because they never, never entered into their mind that God had called you not to remain in Goshen, but I've got a land. I've got a promised land for you. A land that's flowing with milk and honey. A land, the Bible says, the grapes were so big. The clusters of grapes were so big, they had to put it on a pole. And two people had to carry it. But they never entered their mind. Because all they knew was slavery. Can I tell you that humanity is used to, has adapted to a life of being enslaved in sin. Oh, you know, we make a good life of it. You know, we go to work and we got a nice house. And yet they're bound in sin we have learned to adapt to a life of slavery and victimization of sin and bondage but I've come to tell you God sent me here to tell you right now that he created you for more than slavery he's calling you to walk in the supernatural he's calling you to be used by God he's calling this church to impact our world 
Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I believe he's stirring up the church. He's stirring up this church and say, don't get comfortable with your little nice building, with your nice music and your nice preaching. Don't get comfortable. I've got a world for you to reach. I've got lost people for you to share the power of the gospel. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Boy, it's been so long since I preached to people. Some, some of you folks, you, you, you've forgotten how to say amen. When, when do I clap? It's been that long. But the nest, you see, while the, the eagles were in the nest, everything was cool. They'd get fed. They'd get provided for. Mom and dad would look after them. And we had this, this tendency, this inclination to stay in the nest. Because it, 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 it keeps us from having to do what we're supposed to do. It keeps us from responsibility. And maybe, maybe, it's, maybe you have been born again, but you're kind of stuck in your life. And you've got some nest or, or, or some excuse. Some folks are so filled with excuses. They've got so many excuses as to why they can't live for God, as to why they can't serve the Lord, as to why they can't reach somebody for Jesus. Some folks got so many excuses that they, they have a degree in excusiology. Experts. Well, Professor, uh, I've. And, and we're always using excuses to keep us. Well, you know, I, I want to stay in my nest. And, and we use a crutch, you know, and, and that's what it is to, to have this victim mentality, this victimhood that we are seeing so pervasively in our society today with all the social upheaval and problems that we're seeing in the United States and to a lesser degree here in Australia is people are using other excuses as to why they can't move ahead with their lives. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the reason I'm like this is because this person did this to me. And listen, please don't misunderstand. I'm not minimizing any kind of abuse or any kind of pain that you've been through. It is legitimate. If you've been abused, it, it, that's horrible. There's no excuse for that. And there's no excuse for, for growing up in a poor family. Well, well, you know, my, I, I, wasn't li I wasn't brought up in a white privileged family, and, and so we didn't have enough money, and so I, I can't get ahead because, you know, uh, yeah, my neighbor over here, you know, his mom and dad are rich. You know, they, they, they've been, you know, white privilege, and they've got this privilege. And they even have thin privilege. You know, like, you, like Josiah, you can't tell me, Pastor, you probably need to lose some weight. I'll say, well, that's, you're speaking from thin privilege. <laughs> Who gave you the right? It doesn't change the fact that he's right. Can I tell you, we can't let these, these and I'm saying, I'm, again, please don't misunderstand me. Uh, what happened to us and, and the hardships of life. And, and maybe you're from a dysfunctional family. Therefore, my family has to be dysfunctional because I came, came out of a dysfunctional family. Let me tell you, there's some point in your life you've got to get away from the nest of excuses. You, you've got to jump away from the nest of being a victim. 
Because every time you become a victim, you're always held back by the nest. That, that you can't move forward. Why? Because I'm a victim. That, the reason I can't, because they did this to me. No, at some point, you've got to come to Jesus. You've got to let the blood of Jesus Christ wash over your past. Remove every... Are you hearing what I'm saying? We, it's time for us to get out the nest. It's time for us. There's nothing stopping you from living for God. There's nothing stopping you from stepping out and walking with God and see the supernatural wonders of God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. I can hear the voice of God. I can hear that mother eagle flapping her wings. It's time to get a wriggle on. Don't stay in the same level. It's time to step out. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Because while, while we're victims, there's always an excuse that we don't have to take responsibility. The reason I did this was because this was done to me. No, we are responsible for every word and every action. That's what's happening right now in our society. They're tearing down statues. Well, who can't do that? That's the easiest thing you could do. What about trying to do, actually do something to bring healing to this world? They're trying to erase history. They, they, did you, okay, I, I don't want to get into politics again. Remember, I, the Christianity is the great leveler. It was Christianity that broke any racial barriers. Paul said, there's neither Greek nor Jew. There's neither male or female. We are all equal, regardless of our nationality. But when you, watch, when you watch mainstream media, it feels like our world is more racist than ever before. But isn't that what Martin, Martin Luther King got shot for? And he, he broke segregation. He, broke, uh, he, he destroyed all that kind of separation. He started the civil rights movement. And today we are more, there's more egalitarian in our society than ever before. Don't listen to what they say on mainstream media. That somehow every white person is racist, that's a lie from the devil. There, there's a sinister force behind it all. If you, and, and again, it's not hidden, it's online. The guys that are behind that movement, they, they're, they're fascists. They want to destroy, if you read their charter, they want to destroy uh, the, the fabric of society by disrupting the nuclear family, the traditional family of mom and dad. They want to introduce every other Christian, anti Christian idea to destroy now we absolutely black lives matter all lives matter of course we would stand we will march for everybody but listen to me what those people are doing is using a victimhood mentality to say because of what happened last time because of these people that's a lie from the devil we've got to realize that what the world needs is not this politician or that politician what the world needs is for the church to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ who died on the cross who shed his blood for everybody 
And if every human being became born again of water and of the Spirit, I'm telling you, there's not going to be any discrimination. Every heart will be given over to Jesus Christ. And this is now the hour. This is the platform for the church to get out in the world and show to them that God loves everybody. It'd be nice, right, Brother Freddie, if we had Filipino lives, man, right? You know, you know 500,000 500, Filipinos were killed by the Japanese in World War II? Man, that's why I'm in the situation I'm in today. Because otherwise, if the Japanese didn't kill us, we could be the, the leading power in the world, and you all will be speaking Tagalog today. How about that? Huh? I could use that and say, well, 500,000, half a million Filipinos killed by the Japanese in World War II. Well, that's why I can't get ahead with my life. Because of what happened to my forefathers. And, and, and you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to drive Japanese cars anymore. I love sushi, but I want to sacrifice sushi. <laughs> it's this victimhood that we hold on to things. And again, please. I'm not minimizing what hurt you experienced. Absolutely. But you cannot let that keep you hostage from fulfilling what God has intended for you. The eagle was designed to soar in the heavens. You were not designed to live in a dysfunctional relationship, to carry on in, in a toxic environment with people. You can do something about it. If you're the source of toxicity, if you're the source of dysfunction, I'm telling you, God has the ability and the power to change your life. To trend. Oh, hallelujah. Come on. It's time to step out the nest. It's time to soar with wings as eagles. It's time to be filled with the Holy Ghost. All right, I got to stop. Hallelujah. My throat is dry because I'm nervous. I haven't seen so many people in such a long time. <laughs> and so the, 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 the eagle tells the baby eagle, the Bible says he flutters over her young. And when he flutters over the young, when the, the mother eagle flutters, he's showing the, the baby eagles what it needs to do. It it's begins to flap its wings. It, it's setting an example. It, it's saying a model. This is what you got to do. You, you know those things that you have? They're called wings. And you're supposed to do this. And, and so he begins to comfort and instruct. And you know birds are awesome at imitation. They, they can, you know, hear a sound, they can hear a telephone, and they'll be sounding off the telephone thinking your phone is ringing. It's just that stupid bird that you got. But eagles are great imitators. And, and so the mother eagle is saying, you follow me. And, and here's what Jesus is telling us today. He says, follow me. Imitate me. Like Thomas Kempis said in his book, the imitation of Christ. That if you want to live a life that's fulfilling and fruitful, you've got to follow Jesus. He's the example. Amen. That's why you got to read your Bible. Read the Gospels. Let the Gospels saturate your brain and your heart until you have the spirit of 
Christ. Remember that old, remember they used to have those bands around your wrist, WWJD, you remember that? What would Jesus do? And somebody else came up with another one, say WJDD, what Jesus did do, because we can read what he did do. It's in the Bible. It's in the gospel. And you've got to get the spirit of Jesus. And that's why you need the Holy Ghost, because when God fills you with his Holy Spirit, it's none other than the spirit of Jesus Christ. And oh, if you can get saturated, amen, you can imitate him. You can follow him. You can do what he did. You can say what he said. And Jesus said these words, the works that I do, you shall do also and greater than these. Oh, I wish somebody would hear what I'm saying. The Bible says greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. You may be seated. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. People want to use the nest as an excuse. I remember Brother Mark Morgan, he preached one time, and in this service, there was a lady in a wheelchair. And he felt the unction of the Lord to pray for her, took her by the hand, lifted her up, and she began to walk in Jesus' name. And the place erupted. The church had revival. And as she walked up and down, walked back, and as she did a final lap, she walked back, and she sat right back down to her wheelchair. And Brother Morgan scratching his head wondering, what's going on here? So he said to the lady, Did, didn't God just heal you? She said, yes, sir. But uh, if, I, if I'm walking, I'm going to lose my disability pension. <laughs> you know, sometimes that's why we hold on to stuff. That's why we hold on to the nest. We hold on to our excuses. We hold on to our crutches, if you will, and our victimhood and our irresponsibility because then we're going to lose. Then, then we're going to lose what we think is going to be bad. That's why the children of Israel always, in the time they were in the wilderness, kept looking back, kept looking back. Oh, we had it better in that little nest of mine when we had the garlics and the leeks. Oh, it was so much better back then. Excuses. We hold on. We can make a bed of our excuses. We, we can live in our, our, our reasons why we can't live for God. I remember many years ago in East Timor when we were first there right after the, the Civil War, we were in this little hotel called the Tropicana Hotel. Well, I don't know if it actually qualifies as a hotel. It, it was, you know, you have five stars, three stars, but I don't know if they give out minus stars. It was... It was horrible. I, I had a little shoebox of a room. We were there to start a missions work over there, and, and we were in curfew, so we couldn't get out. So I was stuck in this little shoebox of a room, had the, the length of my bed, had a little one of those box TVs. Remember those box little TVs? That was my only entertainment for the, for the five, six days I was there. And had little, oh, I also had companions, you know, little mice and rats running up and down my room. It was a horrible place. But I knew I was there for a reason, so I kind of I kind of make it made a home of it. You know, you make a home of it. If it's prison, you make a home of prison. In fact, when I got on the plane flying back to Australia, I was kind of thinking back to my room. I miss my little nest. I miss my little room. We, we can learn to make comfortable the, the lives 
of dysfunction and, and living below our privileges when God has called us Amen. And I'm speaking figuratively now. He's called us not to stay in the Tropicana, but he wants us to stay in the five, six-star hotel over there in Dubai, over there in the helipad. Amen. I'm speaking figuratively now. I've come to tell you he doesn't want you to remain in that squalid, low-down circumstance of negative thinking, of stinking thinking. It's time to free yourself. It's time to step out. Oh, I wish I had some help in here. Oh, I like this message. I'm preaching to myself. Amen. You've got to step out from that, that comfortable nest. Glory to God. I've got to hurry. I've got to close. I've got to close this. He says he takes them up after he flutters over them. Then he takes them on, their, on his wings. He says, come on, it's okay. Puts them on his back. And begins to flap away and fly away and takes them up into the sky. And inevitably, those little eaglets, those young eagles, are going to lose their grip. And they're going to falter and they're going to begin to fall. And it's been recorded many times. Those eagles, in fact, some eagles have died. Amen. But uh, the mother eagle who is caring for them, that as fast as that eagle would begin to hurtle towards the ground and hit itself on the rock just in the nick of time, that mother eagle will swoop down and pick up this baby eagle and take it back up again in the sky. Oh, I'm telling you, as fast as you would fall, your God loves you so much, he is even faster. He is faster than the speed of your falter, of your mistakes, of your sin. He's faster to carry you. Don't you be afraid. Stretch out your wings. Step out by faith. Believe in God. Don't worry if you fall. Don't worry if you make mistakes. You're God. Oh, hallelujah. Is able to pick you up. Oh, hallelujah. He's able to support you. And he said, come on, let's try it again. Take him up in the sky again. Come on, you can do it. Let me tell you, we were created to walk in the spirit, to soar the heavenlies and the supernatural. You remember Peter, when he saw Jesus walking on water, he said, Lord, master, bid me to come. And what did Jesus said? All right, come on. And he stepped out of the comforts and the security and the safety of the boat, of the nest. And he began to walk supernaturally on water. Let me talk to somebody right now you will never see the power of God staying in your seat remaining where you are you've got to step out by faith you've got to step out oh hallelujah come on somebody when you step out, God does something. When you step out as an act of faith, there is a supernatural transaction that takes place in your life. But if you stay there with your arms folded, with your legs crossed, and your mouth locked, nothing happens. Oh, but if you can step into the power of God by faith, you will. You will see the power of God. Hallelujah. I don't know what it was. You remember the story of David, and I'm hurrying to a close. 
after David slew the giant, he was automatically enlisted into the king's army. And because God was with David, everywhere he went, he saw victory after victory. To the point where when he would come back into Jerusalem, the young maidens would begin to, say, would begin to sing, Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. That sounds all nice and good when you're comparing thousands with ten thousands. And Saul grew jealous of David. Thousands. I only killed thousands. And he, they're attributing ten thousands to him. I'm the king. And so that jealousy manifested to where the king would take a javelin and try to thrust it into David to kill him. The situation got so bad that David had no other choice but to escape out of Jerusalem. And for the next 15 years, David would be wandering the wilderness, living in caves. Amen. I, I don't know about you. I'm, I'm not very outdoorsy. The, the more, most outdoorsy I get is, you know, Ridge's Hotel. But he even had to, to come to a point where, where he had to feign madness to the king of Bimelech and, and frothing him out at the mouth to pretend like he was a crazy guy just so the king of Bimelech wouldn't kill him. And he could have easily said, what in the world is going on? 15 years, and, and he was already anointed a king, the next king, but here he is, no palace, no kingdom in the wilderness. There, there was no 7-Elevens back there. He, he was out in the wilderness. But could it be that God was stirring David's comfortable nest in the kingdom by using Saul to get him out. Not only because to, to, to safeguard his life from the king Saul who was trying to kill him, but could it be that David hearing those songs, oh, let me hear it again, how, how awesome I am, that God was stirring up his nest because he would be filled with pride and arrogance and self-love if he remained in that nest that God said uh-uh I'm gonna send you to the wilderness for the next 15 years because the wilderness would be his making it would be in the wilderness that would train him it was in the wilderness that he wrote some of the most beautiful psalms in the bible it was when he was not in the palace but under the stars of heaven before his god oh i've come to tell you you got to get out of what's comfortable god's calling you yes it may be tough it may be a little hard oh i gotta stop flapping my wings now but i'm telling you when you do you'll find god sustaining you he'll be carrying you oh hallelujah musicians if you like to come glory to god praise the name of the lord there was 16 17 years old i made a life i made a little nest comfortable comfortable life as a teen i, st I started very young Started doing drugs very young. Started partying very young. I was in the streets of King's Cross at 15, 16 years of age. And I made a little comfortable life out of it. Got in trouble with the police. So I just said, I'll, I'll just lay low. I'll just sell drugs from home. Little nest, little comfortable. I'll just party at home. 
take it easy. No more fights, no more of these stupid things. And yet there was something inside here. I, I, I couldn't understand it. What was going on? What is it that, that I just wasn't, I, I wasn't satisfied? My, my depression got deeper and deeper. Somehow the drugs weren't doing it anymore. In the beginning, it was awesome. Party, yeah. But after a while, I'd be sitting at parties wondering if my friends wanted to, to jump me. I'd be sitting at parties depressed. It, it, I, I come to realize it now. It was the eagle stirring up my nest in here. There was something within me that wanted more. There was some, I wasn't designed to, to wallow. I wasn't designed to live the rest of my life in prison, to, to live the rest of my life in addiction. I wasn't designed to live the rest of my life in this nest. I wasn't designed to stay in my, in my misery. But God is calling me. Hallelujah. Oh, when I remember that day, I knelt my knee before God. I simply said, Lord, I repent of my sins. I turned my life over to you. And in a moment, in an instant, he filled me with his Holy Spirit. He gave me the gift, the greatest gift that one could ever receive, the gift of his Holy Spirit. I began to speak in tongues. I began to speak a language that I didn't understand. I, I didn't know what was going on. I was, I, I was shocked. I thought maybe this is just the drug still working in my system. No, they told me this is the Holy Ghost. And I said, thank you, Jesus. And just like that, he helped me overcome drugs and addiction and depression and misery and paranoia. Oh, I've come to tell you God can do the same thing for you. Amen. Is there anybody here that believes that? That God can set you free. That he can make you whole. That he can fill you with the Holy Ghost. Oh, would you stand to your feet right now? Glory to God. Every hand lifted. I've got to stop, but the Lord is not finished. Every heart open right now. Every eye closed. We're going to pray together. And then I'm going to open up this altar. For anyone that would like to receive and step out of that nest and say, God, I want to believe. I want to step out into your, into your supernatural realm. In the name of Jesus, Father, right now we repent of our sins. We ask you, Lord, to forgive us of our sins, of the life that we have lived that is contrary to your word, that is contrary to your law. God, we give ourselves unto you, and we want to step into this, into this realm of the unknown of your Holy Spirit. We're not sure. We're, we're, we're uncertain, Lord God. We've got some doubts, but Lord, we're ready to step out and trust in you for your miracles, for your supernatural wonders, and your power to heal and to deliver. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God. I want to ask, is there anybody here today that wants to step out of that nest of where you're sitting? Because when you do, God will meet with you. When you take a step of faith, I want to open this altar right now. You can come. Come out of your seats and pray and ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit. To give you the gift that is the gift of the Holy Ghost. To bring healing to your body. If you need healing in your body right now, the Spirit of God is here to deliver you and set you free. God's power has already been released. It's time to simply flap those wings, as it were, of faith and step into his, into his promise, into his glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. All over this building, why don't you reach out to the Lord? 
It's your opportunity to respond to his word. Your opportunity right now to respond to the word of God. Oh, hallelujah.